Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this, our final episode in the podcast series, Who is the Man of the Shroud? Well, let me put it this way. This is the final episode in its current weekly format. I can assure you, you will hear from Dr. Cheryl White and me in the future, in the very near future. I'm Father Peter Mangum, and it has been my privilege and pleasure to be here each week exploring various aspects of the Shroud of Turin, the most remarkable artifact known to exist. Without question, it is the most studied object in the world and has been subjected to more testing, more scrutiny, more questioning than anything else on this planet. One of the most remarkable characteristics of this 14 and a half foot strip of linen cloth is that the more knowledge we acquire, the more knowledge we realize we are lacking. The more we understand, the more mystery is before us. So while this podcast series in its current format has sought to examine many of these mysteries, I think I speak for both Dr. Cheryl White and myself when I say that there is just so much unknown. We will continue to dedicate work to the cause of this significant relic and disseminating information about it through our work with the American Confraternity of the Holy Shroud, as well as our personal efforts. Dr. White, as an academic historian, and me as a Roman Catholic priest. Today we have with us here in Shreveport two of the original team members of the Shroud of Turin Research Project, Dr. John Jackson and photographer Barry Schwartz. Last week in episode 34, we gave a brief history and overview of that 1978 project and hinted at a look forward to the future of Shroud Studies. That's what we hope to do today as we prepare to conclude the three-day event focusing on this great milestone anniversary event. What does the future hold? What shall we expect from future scholarship? What new questions should we be asking? There are some who are already calling for a new examination of the Shroud, challenging the limits of new technologies and processes unknown to science just four decades ago. The hashtag Shroud21 is already being used to denote a new age opening up here at the cusp of the 21st century. It's an exciting time, positioned here between the past, as we commemorate the Sturp anniversary, and yet also the future, which stretches out ahead of us with great promise. The key areas of current Shroud research that are getting the most attention are image formation within the field of the sciences and the Shroud's so-called missing years of 1204 to 1355 for historians. One thing we've seen across the course of this podcast series is the unique ability of every single academic discipline to contribute to our knowledge, however, so that short list is certainly not intended to be all-inclusive. But the greatest questions we still have unanswered begin not with where or who, or even when, but how? How was the image made? As we've seen, knowing the process is not the same as knowing how the process was possible. For until this day, right now, the process cannot be duplicated by anyone. A secondary field that merits ongoing attention is related to when. For the historical narrative falls silent in the high to late Middle Ages. This area of inquiry demands a re-examination of known records as well as employing the hope that new records may yet be found. If the shroud can be placed with certainty following the fall of Constantinople in 1204, historians will have contributed much, for historical certainty would go a long way towards further refuting the spurious 1988 carbon-14 dating results. 
That raises another important contemporary issue of discussion and debate. Is it possible that dating the shroud would again be attempted, this time using a rigorous protocol with oversight by a panel of objective observers? Are there some new methodologies that might prove more viable for dating the cloth? Certainly, Dr. Giulio Fonti at the University of Padua has proposed an alternative method of environmental dating that has placed the age of the cloth to approximately 2,000 years, plus or minus a century. Can scientific consensus build around this type of work? It seems certain that the specter of the 1988 carbon dating results still looms over the whole field of syndonology, whether we like to admit it or not. As a person of faith, I have no reason to fear new inquiry and new testing. The truth demands our scrutiny and can certainly bear up to anything human technology brings to it. I am hopeful that the current owner of the Shroud of Turin, Pope Francis, will indeed permit further scientific examination. Might there be a successor to the STIRP project in the near future? Let's hope so. Many around the world are calling for this, and there is even a formal petition in circulation, quote, test the shroud, close quote, has become a rallying cry for a growing consensus of scholars. What other knowledge might be acquired through new means? Well, ongoing blood analysis, for instance, that might reveal some genetic markers giving more information about the ethnicity of the man of the shroud. We might glean even further detail about the specific wounds using imaging equipment that was not available to the STIRP team 40 years ago. We have nothing to lose and everything to gain. I could not agree more. I especially like your statement, Father Peter, of having nothing to fear from new testing of the shroud. For the cause of the advancement of knowledge is one of the noblest human endeavors and one that we must always support. I would like to suggest to our listeners that they continue to follow the largest clearinghouse of Shroud Scholarship on the web, which is the website of Barry Schwartz at Shroud.com. Also, of course, I recommend the critical summary published by Dr. John Jackson, and I would even encourage everyone to check out the website testtheshroud.org, run by Mark Antonacci, who is spearheading efforts to mount another major scientific investigation of the Shroud of Turin. On that website, you'll find the petition to Pope Francis. I have to agree with Father Peter also that being here each week, visiting different topics related to this incredible artifact has not only been a privilege, but has been richly rewarding in my own quest for understanding. We hope you'll keep exploring and by all means, continue to follow us on Facebook at Who is the Man of the Shroud. Our work is not stopping, and you can look soon for a new form of media to continue these important conversations. Last week, Father Peter also mentioned that we have published edited transcripts of all 35 of these podcasts, specifically edited to omit time-sensitive information and to highlight the central focus of each episode. And that is available in a beautiful hardcover edition. You can find information about that on the website of sjbcathedral.org or look for information on our Facebook page about how to order a signed copy. Your purchase of this edited edition will go a long way to help underwrite the costs associated with making these free-to-the-public podcasts, as well as assist us in our continued efforts at establishing this regional center for Shroud Studies. I thank you in advance for any assistance you can give us. We say it, 
one final time, all data used in these podcasts come from the critical summary of observations, data, and hypotheses compiled by Dr. John Jackson and other leading Shroud experts. That critical summary is available for purchase at CMJ Marion Publishers and Distributors at www.cmjbooks.com. Today is the feast day of an early saint of the British Isles, St. Edwin of Northumbria, who was born a pagan prince, but died a Christian king in battle against the pagan forces of Mercia in the early 7th century. St. Edwin was the first Christian king of Northumbria, and his witness to the faith provided a strong foundation to the planting of the faith among the people of that region. He is known as a patron saint of conversion, and as recounted by St. Bede, St. Edwin publicly declared that he would, quote, live my life for an example to all others through the wisdom that has been revealed to my heart and mind by the true God, close quotes. We have seen how the Holy Shroud calls out to our hearts and our minds, challenging us to answer the question of who is the man of the Shroud? Is it indeed the holy face? If so, we must answer the call to conversion too. What a remarkable tool of evangelization we have with the shroud, which in God's providence is ours to examine with such great technology at a time when the world needs it most. Yet we know faith and reason go hand in hand. And how wonderful indeed that reason confirms so much of what people who have viewed what I believe to be the burial cloth of Jesus Christ have accepted on faith alone. Daily, we continue to seek the face of our Lord. We make the words of Psalm 26 our own as we conclude this podcast. Of you, my heart has spoken. Seek his face. It is your face, O Lord, that I seek. Hide not your face. With yet again a special thanks to our guests and to all of you, our faithful listeners, I am Father Peter Mangum, Rector of the Cathedral of St. John Berkman's and Diocesan Administrator of the Diocese of Shreveport. And I'm Dr. Cheryl White from LSU Shreveport. Thank you for joining us for this series, Who is the Man of the Shroud? Mm-hmm.